Welcome to Dream Business Radio, the place to create your dream business now. Get ready for some inspiration, some encouragement, some proven business building strategies, and a couple of new ideas that you haven't even thought of. It's time to leave slow and steady as she goes to the other entrepreneurs, because this program is all about speed and fast results. And now, broadcasting from his floating home somewhere in the Atlantic Ocean, the dream business coach himself, Jim Palmer. Good afternoon, everybody. This is Captain Jim Palmer, the Dream Business Coach, with another fantastic interview. My guest today is Rich Milliman, and he is the CEO of Extra Duty Solutions. It's a service that helps law enforcement agencies administer their extra duty programs. Rich's professional background focuses on business services and operations, and after serving as a management consultant for McKinsey and Company, uh, Rich ran portfolio marketing and operations at Bank One's credit card unit. He then ran and several emerging and mid-sized business services firms for a European family office. And prior to co-founding Extra Duty Solutions about three years ago, he played an active role in operational risk, security, and back office operations at the world's largest hedge fund. Rich, how are you doing today? Very good. Thanks for having me on. Yeah. So I think my interviews are usually about three to four weeks behind. So as you and I are doing this, we're right in the middle of our our lockdown with the yeah. with the whole Corona thing, but um, it's interesting. My I usually do about two or three interviews um, a, a week, and I think I've got six on my calendar. Everybody's trying to low. Well, as long as I'm home, let's get all the interviews. Yeah, right. everybody's done. working from home. Everybody has plenty of time in their hands now. I'm gonna have, I'm gonna have Dream Business Radio episodes for till Christmas if I keep up this pace, which <laughs> <laughs> will be good. So, man, I mean, McKinsey and Company—that's no small little consulting company. Oh, they're How, big, yeah, yeah. <laughs> So just curious, did you, I'm always interested if when I talk to entrepreneurs, are you first generation? Did you have uh, parents or grandparents to kind of look after you or model you that you want to model after or what? No, my, um, well, actually, if you think about it as a second generation, my mother's father, my grandfather started a business that was uh, very successful and my father actually worked for him in that business. So there was I guess a little bit of entrepreneurship in the family, although I can't say it, it had a major influence on me, especially earlier in my career. Did, um, did you go to, I assume you went to, went to university or college or? Yeah, I went to, uh, I have an undergrad degree from Syracuse and a graduate degree from University of Chicago. So I, I did that stuff and then started my career after that. So I was in my, you know, mid twenties when I started. Wow. So um, I was super impressed. We talked a little bit in the green room that, um, I mean, your company is like three years old. You're already doing extremely well. Did you, I mean, did you see this void in the marketplace for extra duty solutions? And I guess we ought to tell people what extra duty solutions is. So maybe start yeah, there. So, yeah, I'll start with what is extra duty or off duty, sometimes called secondary employment. This is essentially where police officers or sheriff's deputies work for corporations or private concerns in their off hours. So for example, if you go to a movie theater um, on a Saturday night and you see an officer in the lobby in uniform or in a cruiser out front, or the same if you go to a hospital or uh, you know road construction where there's two cruisers directing traffic, that's usually um, extra duty. And those officers typically are not considered to be on duty at that time, although they could um, pounce into on duty if need be at any time. But typically, they are being paid by those concerns. In, okay. In, for example, movie theater, hospital, and we administer those programs for 
uh, police departments and uh, sheriff's offices. You know, I, I used to be a um, huge fan of the show NYPD Blue. I think before that, Hill Street Blue, so I'm, I'm like yeah. cub shows. And I just remember that um, there's a couple scenes. I'm, I'm sure it's fictional TV, but they used to not like cops to have extra duty jobs. Or maybe they were a bouncer in a bar. Maybe that's the one exception. But is it so police departments in general are okay having the cops be able to wear their uniform off duty? Yeah, I mean, it sort of differs by department and area of the country, but for the, for the most part, it's viewed as a favorable thing because, you know, one, it gets more officers out there. So right. if there is, you know, an officer working an extra duty detail at a Waffle House and across the street, there's an armed robbery in progress, you have an officer that can just leave that detail and go across the street and uh, defuse the situation. So you have more officers out there. And second, for law-abiding citizens, a lot of times this is your opportunity to engage with law enforcement in a kind of a non law, you know, uh, law enforcement way and just saying hi to an officer in a Walmart or something like that. And it's an opportunity for the officers to wear, to get some extra money. You know, the, the pay is not extremely high in law enforcement. So, so there's, there are benefits to kind of, you know, around, around the horn on it. There's downside too, but many, most departments have these types of programs. So your background in business services and operations, I mean, this seemed like a, a natural business for you to, to run and, and start. Um, but I go back to my original question. Did you see a need for this or how are, how are, yeah. how is it working before? Is every, everybody trying to get their own paycheck and now you just kind of simplified the process? Yeah. Well, so they, let's go to the need. So when I was at the hedge fund, <laughs> I have a partner in his business. He was the head of physical security there and he and I, would work and I was more on the risk side of the business, but he and I would work kind of together here and there. And we, when we both left, we realized, wow, this extra duty world was kind of a mess. Uh, you know, if you're the chief security officer at Walmart, for example, and you want officers in 300 Walmarts around the country, you have to call 300 police departments. Um, so, so we originally thought, well, why don't we um, start a company that helps the Walmarts of the world? And they just call us and we deal with it. And so that's what we did. So in 2015, we were working for um, Aon, Ryder, MasterCard, Marriott, Westons, you know, all these big spread out corporations. And in doing that, we realized, well, the pain and suffering is not just on the corporate side, it's on the law enforcement side, too, because a lot of these agencies are running, in a sense, you know, kind of security firms, for, for, you know, out of the agency, because there's a lot of demand for this type of work. So we talked to a bunch of police chiefs and sheriffs and they said, yeah, it's, it's really a pain. You know, I got a Lieutenant that does nothing but answer the phones for, you know, from these, uh, the, the, the customers and we've got, you know, uh, we got to send out invoices. We got to collect on this stuff. So we set up infrastructure that would help the law enforcement agencies. And we started uh, serving law enforcement agencies in early 16. And then we exited that corporate market because we didn't want to have a conflict of interest. We only want to be on one side of that fence. Right. But there's, you know, there's a, there's a real demand for it. There, there's a lot of agencies out there who have these programs, want to have these programs, but the administrative burden and the financial risk uh, make it unattractive to them. So we kind of fill that gap. Hmm. What, how does it work with insurance? So like workers comp or I don't know what other insurance does yeah. you, your company provide that or are they covered yeah, some other so, way? So we, there's two types of insurance. Generally there's liability and then there's like the workers comp. So <laughs> excuse me, the liability, we, we cover all the officers under our liability. I mean, they're also covered under municipal liability. It doesn't matter if we pay the officers directly as contractors to us, or if we pay the municipality or the county, 
and then they pay the officers. Either way, they're covered under our insurance. And then for workers' comp, if we pay the officers directly as contractors to us, we can also cover them under our workers' comp. It's, it's every situation is unique and different. So some cities and counties, the way their workers' comp works, the officers are covered no matter what. Um, so then they don't need to get ours. If, if that's not the case, though, and they want workers' comp, uh, we can cover them under ours. So it's, it's just every situation, you know, we work with the municipality to say what works best for you guys. But they're always covered. Yeah. Wow. One of the, one of the um, things I think challenges a lot of entrepreneurs, especially from startup and, you know, when they get into growth, is, is really thinking outside the box from growth. When I started in 2001, I was doing newsletters for companies probably within 10 miles of my, my home office. And 2006, I discovered the internet and I've, I've had customers in nine different countries. So for you, it's like, did you start locally or did you just start a national business and, and grow from there? Uh, we started national. I mean, our first client was in Florida. Our second was in Massachusetts. Third was in North Carolina. Fourth was the state of Washington. So we're, we're in 16 different states uh, right now, and you know that number keeps going up every couple months. So we, yeah, we we in fact we we're headquartered in Connecticut, and we our first client in Connecticut was like our 75th agency or something like that. Wow, so it's kind of like the people in New York City who lived there their whole life and never see the Statue of Liberty, right? So yeah, um, so so yeah, no, we we started on a national basis right off the bat. What's what's is it a double-edged sword? I'm wondering about what your biggest problem is finding new customers, or how do you get the um, police officers? I mean, is there do you have a, a, a how do you find the officers to join your program, and then is there a need for them? Like, what comes so, first? So we so we work for the municipality, right? So we sign a contract with the city or the county to administer the program, and there the officers are, right? So we're it's not like we're we're taking officers from County one and having them work in County two or something like that. If we, if we work for, you know, a particular city, it's their officers and the jobs are divvied up in a way that, 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 that police department wants them divvied up. We use all their rules and so on. So it's not like we're out there looking for officers. We use, you know, each municipality's officers. Oh, um, I see. So yeah. I'm sorry. So the, so the actual, the, the need, your customer is the municipality. Yeah. So it's almost like they want to keep their officers if the, uh, for the officers who want to do extra work beyond their shifts and what they it's there, they want this for their officers. So it's not like the officer saying, Hey, I need some extra money. Right. Right. <laughs> you know? right. Oh, I usually see. there's a demand. Usually, you know, the, the way these programs typically start is, Local businesses are calling the police department or the sheriff's office and saying, "Hey, I, can you send a couple of guys over on Saturday night? You know, we have a, a you know, we want uh, uh, some type of security or a hospital saying we'd like officers here during the day when it gets busy." And um, and that's usually how these uh, these programs start. And what you know happens in a lot of agencies is um, they grow, you know, bit by bit, more by more and more. And before you know it, you've got this kind of big administrative burden on your hands. You have two officers that do nothing to deal with it. You've got bad debts. You got your floating money uh, and you didn't plan for this. This is not what you do in law enforcement. So we kind of try to alleviate that pain for him. What are some of the challenges that you face in the last three years? Cause you, I mean, you've really had kind of a, a rocket ship ride of growth. What are some of your own internal challenges that you've, you face as an entrepreneur? Yeah. So what, you know, one really is even though we've had high growth is, um, explaining what we do to law enforcement agencies. So on a sales side, believe it or not, that was a challenge because 
it's not like there was somebody before us, you know, we were kind of the first ones into the market. So we can't point to somebody else and say, we're like them only a little bit different. So, you know, it's not like an airline. You can say, you can point to Delta and United and say, we're like them, but we have different planes and different routes. And, but you know what we do basically. So you had to kind of explain it in a way that, um, uh, you know, was in a short way you could explain what you do and make it appealing. So the sales process itself was difficult. Um, in addition to that, we're not just selling to the you know, police chief or the sheriff. Oftentimes, uh, the CFO or the business administrator or the mayor you know, has to get involved because the finance side is handled on the city side, not within the police department and so on. So it's a, it is a multifaceted you know, um, sales process that we have to, to go through. So that, that was really probably the, the biggest challenge. And then beyond that, you have the, the typical challenge any high growth company is going to have. We were hiring a lot of people and we have to get the processes in place. And, you know, if you just, if you have that gap between your sales and your infrastructure get too big, things, things start to fall apart. So we had to make sure we were investing in the right infrastructure as we were growing, but not over investing. Did so you have, did you have uh, sorry, do you have um, proprietary software? Or do you, did you get something and, and adapt it to your business? How does, how does your business yeah, run? Kind of both. Back in 2015, we, we realized we would need very robust, uh, flexible um, scheduling software. And scheduling in the world of first responders is very unique. You know, very, you can't just like hire, get a scheduling software off the rack. So right. <laughs> we looked at a, a bunch of providers in the law enforcement agents, the first responder world, and also in the hospital world, because the scheduling in hospital world is very, very complex. Um, so we, and we had, uh, you know, another firm kind of do due diligence with us and we settled on um, a scheduling firm, a, a software firm in Texas called uh, Jivasoft, and they had really world-class um, uh, scheduling software for first responders. So we had formed a partnership with them. And then last year in 2019, we acquired them. So we're now one company, which has another great benefit because we can now offer on-duty scheduling software in addition to our service and have a kind of a full package for the, for the law enforcement agency. You actually acquired the software firm that you originally hired to set up yeah, your program. Yeah, yeah. And, How and, cool and is they, that? They, they wanted, you know, it was, it was a mutual, it was a real benefit. And we never thought that we'd grow that fast, that it would, it would come to, uh, let's just acquire them in three years. But that's, that's what happened. So it worked out really, really well for both of us. Well, I'm just imagining, and I hope this isn't too intrusive. I'm imagining because, you know, when you have your, the officers, et cetera, on, on one side of the coin, they want to be paid yeah. in, in a timely manner. But then you're probably billing counties, townships, and everything who probably net 30, maybe net 60 or whatever. Is that a challenge? I mean, on, on a scale yeah, this so big? We're, we're billing the companies, right? So we're billing Walmart and Verizon and okay. computers, right? So who hire the officers, but your, your challenge is there. I mean, you know, utility companies can be slow to pay. Um, and, you know, sometimes a school, you know, we do, there's a lot of um, officers at schools and sometimes a school just shut down in the summer. So you send them an invoice in May and it comes back in September. So there is that. I mean, we have the ability to require prepayment or escrows for anybody who's not credit worthy. So we, keep it, keep control of it, you know, in that way. But we, so far we haven't had a bad, uh, bad debts problem. It's been really, really low. 
Well, knock wood. That's good because yeah. that could, you know, with the size, the numbers you're doing, that could be really painful if one or two uh, um, vendors or customers took yeah. that on. But um, curious how you're marketing your your business. So you grow, you grew pretty fast. Like I said, you're like 60 departments in across the country in in three years. How did you initially get the word out, and and how is Extra Duty Solutions um, getting the word out now? Yeah, so in the beginning, it was, uh, you know, this sort of grunt force. It was, you know, we, before we even had an office, uh, me and my partner hanging out in Starbucks, emailing police chiefs and so on, and um, just trying to get, you know, one or two out of 100 that we reach out to the response, we can get on the phone with them. So it was a lot of months and months of grunt work and will this work and not getting through, you know, all, all that stuff. Now, now that we're more known, uh, you know, A, we get some incoming calls because this chief tells another chief that's a neighbor in a neighboring town about us and, and they're interested. And there's a lot of um, conferences for law enforcement that have uh, vendors and we can go there and we can exhibit, we give speeches in different places. So now it's a little bit more, um, um, less grunt work and more usual stuff. Right. So I wonder how could somebody use uh, what you're doing in the law enforcement and think about it in their business? Like, I'm, I'm always curious about what was that thought process that said, I, you know what, there's a need there. I can do that better. Was there a light bulb moment for you or like, what was your yeah, yeah, it, it wasn't. It wasn't sort of a light bulb, I would say, but basically, you know, my partner and I both left the hedge fund and we were doing different things that we neither one of us was really engaged with. And we had a you know, we had several conversations about, well, if we were going to start a firm, what would we do? And we thought about this, this sounds bad, this sounds bad, millions of people do that. And then we said, you know, this, I forget which one of us said it, but this, we used to hire extra duty officers um, back at the hedge fund for, you know, the Christmas party or, you know, things like that. And we, we said that that's a painful process to do that. It's painful for everybody involved in that, you know, and uh, there's probably a, a way to make that more streamlined and more efficient. Uh, that would benefit the municipalities, benefit the officers, benefit the customers. And, you know, we didn't have the whole thing mapped out in our heads at first. We kind of did it one step at a time. Like I said, we even started in a different industry, really on the corporate side of what we do, working directly for the corporations. And then we migrated to work for the, the police departments. And, um, and, you know, it was kind of when I think about what we do now versus what we did uh, for our first client three and a half years ago, it's a world of difference. It's way more efficient now and all that, but that comes over time. You know, you build your infrastructure as you have to, to keep up with your sales. Yeah. What, what are some of the ethical issues of extra duty programs? Do, do yeah. You- there, so there, I mean, there's, there's issues around um, you know, how many hours, like kind of like airline pilots, right? How many hours do you want to And truck pilot? drivers, right? You, I truck mean, drivers, anything. And policing is no different. So a lot of, agencies uh, will have rules like you can't work more than X hours in a 24 hour period or in a week. Um, You can't, you know, go right from a extra duty detail to on duty without having a rest period. There's all sorts of different, but similar overlapping rules that different agencies have in place to keep kind of guardrails around it. And we employ whatever rules, you know, they have. And, you know, we, and we also, you know, we'll try to help out as need be. We sometimes will get calls from, banks um, saying they, the bank wants to verify uh, income on the extra duty on top of the on-duty income because somebody's trying to buy a you know fancy car or something like that. We'll call the officer and say, what are you doing? You know, like the, the extra duty <laughs> stuff is voluntary. And if that bridge project ends, it's going to get cut in half, you know? So, 
So we try to, you know, we try to be helpful too in that regard. So, so they would, if they, if that officer was listing, he, he would actually list extra duty solutions as, as another employer. You know, if, if we're, um, or just as a source of income that we're, I see. you know, yeah, exactly. And then, you know, it's, it's, these are completely voluntary programs. The officers do not need to work, do not have to work um, extra duty. Um, it's completely voluntary. Now, having said that, you know, probably 98% of all details get filled because there is enough of a, of an interest from the law enforcement community to work these types of details. But, um, but you know, you, you need to keep your head screwed on straight about it. So, Because sadly, they don't, they don't get paid enough for what they do, that's for sure. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's, you know, it's the case with people on the front lines already. You know, teachers, ambulance drivers, unfortunately, that's, that's how it shook down in our economy. But so this is, you know, this is helpful for them. So just curious, um, Rich, and I really appreciate your time today. Looking, looking down the road, once we get past this uh, crazy situation we're in, do you just see um, continued growth? Do you see any exponential growth opportunities? Is there a next big thing? And that's probably, if there is, you probably don't want to tell me, but just yeah, thinking right. like, what's, what's the next 12 to 24 months look like for uh, Extra Duty Solutions? Yeah, no, I think we'll continue to grow. Um, and, you know, it's, luckily we now have infrastructure in place that's scalable. So as we grow, it's just a matter of adding the right number of modules and people and so on to keep up with that growth. So we've got the kind of the big thinking and the big stuff out of the way. And we've got everything down pat. We have four operation centers that are all connected with a bunch of disaster preparedness and recovery and so on. This you know, Corona thing and moving to uh, working from home or social distancing within an office was not um, a, a big monkey wrench for us. So I think now that we've got our infrastructure very down pat, um, I think, you know, it's just a matter of focusing on sales and continuing to grow. I, I don't see us venturing into other industries or something like that. There's enough to do here and, and we're young enough that I don't want to sort of throw confusion into the mix. So it's, I think it's just a steady course at this point. Well, good for you. I don't know many. Op- I don't know many entrepreneurs who don't have a little bit of uh, shiny object syndrome. It doesn't sound like you have it too bad. No, I do. But- I do, but I know I have it. That's the difference. <laughs> yeah. A lot of people have it and don't know they have it. That's the problem. <laughs> yeah. Twelve years ago, I had like I had six different internet companies. I had started my mastermind. All these different things. Like I got into this um, kind of a, a mastermind out in California, and there's a guy super successful, and so. I was up there saying, this is what I'm doing. And then I, I said, these are three new programs I want to bring online. This guy leaned back in his chair, he crossed his arms and goes, you know what, Jim? I thought, here comes some great wisdom. Soak it in, Jim. He goes, if you'd focus half as much time marketing what you've already built as creating something new, you'd be so much farther ahead. <laughs> I mean, it was an embarrassing moment, but it was like a huge moment for me because honestly, Rich, I, since that, I've created nothing new in, 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 <laughs> since, you know, 10 years ago. Or eight I, years. I think, you know, one time years, a long time ago, I had an interview at it was a fortune 500 company probably fortune 100 and i was interviewing with the head of strategic planning who the year later became the ceo of the whole thing so this is a, you know kind of a, what i call a real guy right and i'm sitting there interviewing and he said what are your weaknesses so i go through some weaknesses and he says oh, that's interesting because my weaknesses I, I tend to focus on too many things at one time and i said to him that's called unfocused i I, I got the offer too i think he was appreciative of you know but but it's true like that shiny object thing is kind of a you know emblematic of being unfocused in a sense right yeah yeah. well what a fun interview i looked i just looked at my clock i got two minutes hey give give everybody a chance to uh, learn more about uh, extra duty solutions and if they want to reach out to you how can they do that 
Yeah, the easiest way is just on our website. And once you're at the website, you can, you know, email, you can call, you can do whatever. And there's a bunch of information there. And our website is extradutysolutions.com. Well, I greatly admire what you've done in three years. Sounds like you had a wonderful company. Thanks so much for sharing your story, Rich. Thank you for having me on. Hey, folks, that wraps up this very special interview with Rich Milliman from Extra Duty Solutions. What a, first of all, what a great service to keep our uh, law enforcement. You know, sometimes they need to earn some extra money because they, uh, honestly, God, they don't get paid enough for what they do. And thank God they're out there. And um, until this time next week, I'll do another fantastic interview for you. I'm Captain Jim Palmer, the Dream Business Coach. You take good care. Now it's time to go implement what you've learned. Great ideas are nice, but results only happen through action and implementation. So stay focused. Kick all distractions to the curb. Sleep a little less if you have to. And create your dream business now so you too can live your dream lifestyle. To learn about building your dream business, join Jim's free Dream Business Facebook community at dreambizgroup.com. That's dreambizgroup.com. See you next week for more Dream Business Radio.